There's another blessing we have in store for you this morning. Uh, We have our first volunteer to uh, quote from you, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. You going to come down this way? All right. Drew is going to share it with us today. Now, if you think suddenly the pastor is going to make you stand up here and do it, and you think that I'm not going to memorize, it doesn't matter if you sit there, if you want to put a paper bag over your head, uh, anything you want. I'm good with that. But I asked Drew if he would come up here and share it with us, because I like the way he does it. Next week he's going to do it in Greek, but today I think it's English. So if, if, you, if you stand there, they will see it up here. Okay, so you use that mic, and uh, we'll have it up here, and we'll just let you go to it. Only one Paul. Only one Paul. And only Paul could pull this, what he did here. And trying to do this with taking Greek from my teacher... <laughs> Difficult. Difficult. All right. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, because of the will of God, to all the saints which are in Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ. Listen, it is. Grace be to you and peace. From our, from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to take a breath. That V is a heavy, heavy article. (laughs) Article. Wow. Blessed be the God and Father. Mm -mm, Hang on just a sec. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Okay. According as He has chosen us in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Having being, having being predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself for his good pleasure for the good pleasure of his will. Okay. Okay. I'm marking them off, Steve. Okay. Pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he made us Accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. Mm. 
Hang on just a second. Wherein he abounds toward us with all wisdom and providence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his pleasure which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of fullness, that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which is in heaven and also which are on the earth, even in him. That we, in which we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according this is the toughie being predestinated according to his to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will hmm. that him who gets me Bob Yes. The him who. Wow. That we, this sounds like my grandma, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. That's heavy. Who first trusted in Christ. Mm. Mm. Hang on, guys. Trusted in Christ. In whom ye also have trusted. After that, you heard the word of truth and of the gospel of, the gospel of your salvation. In whom... After that, you believed that you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Mm. This is the last one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is your earnest of your inheritance. Which is the earnest of your inheritance. Until the re of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Amen. I think we got it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got it, Bob. Yes, we did. <laughs> uh, I got to have a hug up there. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. <laughs> He didn't even use the translation I was using. So if you want to say this in Portuguese, Mr. Ed, or anybody else who wants to do it however they want, isn't that precious? Thank you, Drew. Thank you for sharing it with us. And I love the way he shares with his heart, too. That's a beautiful thing. I'm not going to have you all say it this morning. You just did. Did you know that? Just by watching this, you're saying, 
<laughs> you were part of that. So if you feel tired too, that was uh, very impressive. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given to us the capability of hiding this in our heart. We have heard things, and some things without even any effort, we have memorized from your word. Sometimes we give it a little more effort to memorize it. We do it on purpose. It's a great exercise for us, but it's also a great thing to have on the inside when you need it. And Lord, your word is precious to us. I pray that our investment in it will show our love for what you've done. Today we're going to invest in some time researching further into your text of what you've told us about who we are in Christ Jesus. And I pray that you help us today. It's, a, it's again, a rather uh, challenging little section. Not so much maybe in understanding what it says, but understanding that this is true. This is what you've done for us. And there are some who will feel like they've been left out for all these years, that God has not looked upon them with favor. And they're going to hear things today that I pray will warm their hearts. And show them again how much you love them. Work through our our study today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going into verse number five. We started it. We covered the first three words last week. We're going to add a couple more. Verse number five says, He predestined us to adoption as sons. We're going to talk about adoption today through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Last week, we looked at that beautiful word, predestined. Some people don't think it's as beautiful as I do. But that God would decide beforehand to set boundaries out there around me, around you, by his boundless love... In love he predestined us, and his love is limitless. Our minds are limited, you know that. His love is limitless. Our planning is subject to all kinds of unknowns. His purposing is only subject to his own love and the power he has to bring it about. God has no trouble saying he predestined you, because he did. And he's got the power and the love to back it up. And that's where it gets too big for us, because his love is boundless. And that's the parameters he put around it. And that's too big for us. I cannot honestly struggle with a God who has predestined me when I reflect upon his ceaseless mercy when I reflect upon his unfathomable wisdom, when I reflect upon his unending grace and his matchless care, I could keep going with his attributes and bring in all of them, really, because all of them are in play when he looks down upon us with favor. I might struggle with the hows. How did he do that? I might struggle with the win, because when it says he did this before the foundation of the world, I wasn't there, and you weren't either. 
I might even struggle with the why. And a lot of us do. Why would you do this to us, Lord? But I don't struggle with saying thank you. And I hope you don't either. Sometimes it's like the gift that you don't know what that exactly is that you just got from your aunt. But you still say thank you. And the Lord has given to us things that are too big for us at times. But however deep we went with our thoughts on predestination last week, we're going deeper still. The Apostle Paul fills in the rest of the story here in verse number 5. When he adds, we've been predestined to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Today's sermon could simply be called, Fun with Prepositions. Doesn't that sound exciting to you? Some would say, I don't even know what a preposition is. Some would even say, I don't know how you could have fun with grammar. It's about as exciting as cardboard, isn't it? (laughs) to illustrate something for you this morning as we enter into this text we just finished off football season and uh, basketball season is going pretty pretty good right now we like March especially we get excited about that if you're watching a game and whatever the sport might be and something incredible just happened on that last play We know very well the announcers get all excited and the replay begins again slowly. And somebody there in the announcer's booth has that special marker, whatever that thing is, where he starts to circle things on the screen. And he starts to put circles here and arrows here and everything else to show you what marvelous contributions were given by each of the players to make this thing happen. And it's fun to watch the circles. He circles a player up on the top of the screen, perhaps. Uh, shows the arrow how he broke through the defense. Or sometimes he remarked three or four guys moving in one direction this way, while that other player cuts out the other way to get around for the score. We've all seen that. We've all seen it in one way or another. Try to picture, if you will, with that concept in your head for a minute, how the Apostle Paul is writing out Ephesians chapter 1. He's so excited, and I'm sure that had to have been part of this. He's talking about God's blessings. About the blessings that He has given to us, as it says in verse number 3, from every spiritual blessing in Christ. And He gets excited. And He starts to make a list. He blesses us. He chooses us. He's made us holy. He's made us blameless. He has predestined us. He's adopted us. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven us. He's informed us. He's made us heirs. And then he seals us. He's like the kid who can't sit in his desk. He's got to stand up as he's doing his assignment. He's so worked up with what he's looking at here. Now, he could have just made one simple verse and just said, God bless you. Put a period on it and moved on. He could have done it that way, but there's so much more, so much more to the picture. He can't stop his pen. Like the commentator, he's got to give the most magnificent act ever accomplished 
the details. And in a sense, what he does in verse number 5 is he pulls out his marker and starts circling things. He says, look at how this happened. Look at the parts and the pieces that brought this all together. How incredible it is to view God's predestination this way. So, as the English text has it here, there are four significant prepositions used in verse 5 to describe how God has done this for you. Oh, it's so much fun. The most dominant preposition in the entire book, and even really here in Ephesians 1, is one preposition called N. We spell it I-N. Greek is E-N, or Epsilon Nu, if you're going to be technical. Uh, it's a big circle, if you will, of your position in Christ. You are in Christ. Fifteen times he employs that particular preposition in the verses that are before us, simply per nothing happens on this page, nothing happens in your life apart from Christ. That's what he means when he says, in him, in him, in him, in him, in him, over and over and over again. Nothing happens in our life apart from Christ. Because he did say, apart from him, we can do Nothing. Literally, I like to say, apart from Him, I am nothing. But when we go into this opportunity to look at prepositions in our study, here in verse number 5, the word in is not there. He chose four others because he had opportunity to, what I like to say, scream at the audience. <laughs> He had something so incredible he had to share with you to help you see what God has done for you, what he meant to show you that he doesn't do anything without a purpose. You're saved today for a purpose. Do you know that? It wasn't an accident that you became a believer. God says, oops, how'd that happen? That's not the way it works. He's intentional. And He has saved you for a reason. He has put you in His church for a purpose. He's put you in Hillsdale for a purpose. He predestined you for a purpose. And this purpose is made clear with these particular prepositions. Alright, let me start with a little grammatical note and build from there. Simply put, a preposition is not necessary in a Greek language. It's not necessary. As we spend time, and Drew's among them, that spend time on Thursday nights here in the Fellowship Hall, in case you're wondering, when you walk in, what's that? You smell burning stuff, because we're studying Greek. All right? we're, we're working through learning Greek on Thursday nights. And uh, we're learning the noun system. And the noun system is sufficient, really, to express a message. We have within the noun system a thing called a dative noun, a dative case. I'm not going to get real hard. I'm just going to explain something. A dative is what they call, in our thinking, indirect object. And many times when we use it, we use it with the word to or in or by or with 
or something of that nature. Like, I hit the ball with a bat. Right? Simple picture. But that would be a dative in the uh, Greek language. And so they have in their language nouns that serve that purpose, that when you see it, you know to put in in or with or by or, or some of those words, and you fill out your sentence. But if language was only made up of nouns, it would be quite boring. In comes a preposition. And let me tell you the beauty of this little guy here. They say the same thing. In or with or by or of or whatever you need it for. It can say the exact same thing. But it doesn't have to be there. So it has to have a different purpose for being there. And what it does is it marks emphasis. It marks clarity. It, it marks the idea as if somebody's pointing at it very excitedly and saying, look at this! Look at this! Because we would miss it if it was just in a simple noun. And this is the way I like to call them pointing words. They, they are saying, look at what happened. Look at this. Look at how it came together. Look at how he did it. That's verse 5. When I pulled this out to start looking through it this week, as I normally prepare one couple days in advance, uh, Thursdays are my big days, I pull this out and I start to think it through. These prepositions were just jumping all over the desk. I said, whoa, they were going to have fun. So here they are. He predestined us to, there's number one, to adoption as sons. Through, there's number two, Jesus Christ, to himself, that's number three, to, according to, that's number four, the kind intention of his will. Now you have my outline. We're going to follow the prepositions, and we're going to look at these actions that you really don't want to miss. All right? It's going to show you how great this predestination thing is. The first purpose in predestining us, and you're going to love this, Predestination always brings something good with it. I want you to understand that. We teach it as if it's terrible. We teach it as if it's dry and boring, and you have to pay a lot of money to learn it in seminary. But understand this. It always comes with something good. He has predestined us to adoption as sons, it says. Don't get bent out of shape just because I said the word sons. Some translations use the word children. You heard that when Drew quoted here this morning. Some use the word family and things of that nature. Uh, the Greek phrase is not a, a statement to somehow confuse you on gender. Our world could do that just fine. But it's to speak of a position. A position you have. The placing as a son would be placed. Now, some people say, but I don't like that. Why can't, why can't it have more of a children idea so I don't feel like, a, you know, it's masculine sounding. Well, folks, we're also the bride of Christ. And for some of us guys, we might think that's a little weird sounding too. We have terms like that in Scripture, and I don't think we really wrestle about them. Because what he's doing is showing us on some level we understand position and relationship. He's Speaking on our level for something that I am positive is so much greater than what we can fathom it to be. 
And when we see the word placing as sons, that's a picture that God has a wonderful position in mind. Don't think real narrow when you think of what this is. It's huge. He has placed you in a position of relation to Him. The context of this whole passage is important. And I bring it up each and every week. But if you just turn the page, if maybe that's all you need in chapter 2, verse 1, it says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That was our place before He saved us. And it's not a pretty picture, folks. It's not. Trespass, and I've said this before, trespass is a word in the Greek that means taking a bad step. Taking a bad step. It's stepping where you shouldn't step. My sister-in-law took a bad fall this week. We got a, a note, my brother sent it out. She had fallen, and she had broken her hip, and she broke her shoulder. And uh, she was in surgery, and they were replacing her hip. And uh, my brother claims it was the cat. Apparently, she was chasing it. At least that's the story he says he's going to stick with it. So we don't know exactly what caused that. But a bad step can do it. Taking a bad step. Now, you would say, that's pretty bad. It could hurt you. But actually, the rest of the word, in understanding the Greek word, taking a bad step, means falling alongside a dead body. That's the rest of the word. And it sounds rather gruesome, I think, but putting them both together, it's like somebody walking along the cliff, and they take that one bad step, and down they go, and now they're laying in among all the corpses at the bottom of the hill. That's where you were found before Christ saved you. Dead in your trespasses and sins among all the others that were as well. Romans 5.8 says, and you were called sinners. It says in Romans 7.24, it says that we were wretched and that we're slaves to sin. In Romans 5.10, it says we were enemies of God. In Romans 5, 6, it says that we were helpless. In Romans 3, 12, it says we were useless. Chapter 3 of Romans keeps adding to it. We were deceiving people. We were cursing. We were bitter. We were murderous. We had destruction and misery in our path. And we had no knowledge of peace. And we had no fear of God. And then Peter comes in and says, let's pile it on, guys. And he puts, or, or, yeah, I'll get to Peter in a minute, sorry. In Ephesians 2, Paul, Paul adds to this. He says, remember, you were separated from Christ. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenant of promise. You had no hope, and you were with God in this world. Can you see the difference God has made? If you take that entire list and set it right next to chapter One, verse number five, and see the beauty of the change. He has adopted you as sons. Putting you in a position as a son is placed in a family. (laughs) 
He gives you the right to call him Father. Father. Romans 8, 14, 15. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out two wonderful phrases, Abba, Father. Let me show you the exciting part that this little preposition does right here. You've been adopted to adoption as sons. You've been predestined to adoption as sons. That little preposition is Spelled out E-I-S. Ice. E-I-S. If you picture this, and I'm going to have you, if you're the kind who takes notes and you want to picture this and draw it out, I'm going to try to help you draw that out. If you want to use your mind, that's fine. I just guarantee one thing, no matter which way you do this, it's going to get messy. All right? So on the right side of your page, with plenty of room on the left, put a circle. Put a circle. And that circle, label it as the, the position I have like a son of God. That's your position. Adopted as sons. Now, you got that circle and it's labeled. That's the adoption picture. Over here, you're going to start drawing an arrow. Give it lots of room. The arrow is heading toward the circle. All right? As a matter of fact, it, it, it's not just heading toward the circle. It penetrates into the circle and stops on the inside. So you've got this long arrow, and it goes all the way across and into the circle. Now, what it is on the outside of the circle was your position, dead. Your position, helpless. Your position, hopeless, useless. Enemies of God. All that was true on the outside of that arrow. But once it breaks through that circle, suddenly it says, Son. That's the difference of being in what God has just done. The position He has just placed you in. He has moved you from a terrible place to a beautiful place. You see it? Visual it? Visualize that's the first word. He has predestined us, ice, to adoption as sons. He pulled us out of one, put us in the other. Powerful thing. Let's add the second preposition. It says, through Jesus Christ. Nothing happens apart from Jesus. He makes it possible. I cannot understand all the things that God has done or how he did it. I cannot. But somewhere in the description, I don't know, in the discussion, however it worked up there, something happened sometime where God chose that whatever difference he's going to make in our life, it was only going to be through Jesus. I don't know why, but I do know he did. And that's why Jesus could stand there in John 14, 6 and say, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. 
So we've got to put this preposition in the picture too, because that's what it says, through Jesus Christ. Now, through is the preposition dia. Dia is the first couple letters of diameter. And anytime you want to measure diameter, you're going a straight line from one end to the other end of something. So if you have a circle, you have a line going through it. So here's your arrow, and if you made this big enough, it's coming to this position as adopted as sons, but before you ever get there, you've got to go through Jesus Christ. So you have a second circle where the arrow's going all the way through it. That second circle before the end one is Jesus Christ. It has to go through him. That's the beauty of what God has set up for us. When we see that list of all that we were before we knew Christ, in reality, we could have never broken through that. We could have never broken through sin. We could have never broken through death. Not on our own. It was a unpenetrated wall. It was a massive barrier it was impossible to overcome until Jesus came. He broke through. He smashed the power of death and hell and the grave. He cut the trail that leads to the Father. There is one way because there is one Jesus. And through Him, you come to the Father. Through Him, you came to that position as adopted. It wasn't going to be any other way. In your little graphic, you could look at it. You could see where the start of your arrow was, far outside the position of the placing of a son. Now, between you and God, there was a barrier, but now between you and God, there is Jesus. If you draw that second circle and you make it just as, as big as you want, label it Jesus, it must go through Him. Only Him. That's why we preach Christ and Him crucified. That's why we do it. There is no gospel if Christ is not in it. There's no position as a son unless Christ has made it. It's beautiful this way. He cut the trail. Why? Because He is God's Son. Who else could make you a son of God? but God's own Son. It says in Romans 8.29, I love this verse, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. That's why you have that right. That's why you have that position. It's because of what Christ has done for you. That's getting exciting. But we haven't hit the last two yet. Another, another preposition, preposition number three, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. To himself. This is the same preposition as the first one, ice. Into himself. Into himself. Now this is where the picture really, really gets interesting and really big. I'm not exactly sure exactly how to draw this, except that when you have those circles and you start to draw a great big circle all the way around it, maybe that's the best way to describe something very special. God wants you with Him. He wants you with Him. He wants you beside Him. Can you fathom this? 
He wants you in a special relationship with him. You notice the arrow that went into the circle. It only goes one way. It only goes one way. It doesn't come out the other end. Its final destination is in him. In him. Personally, folks, I find this to be such a comfort and such an encouragement. I try from time to time to describe to you what we call security in Christ. The fact that God has saved you and has no intention of changing that relationship. This is vividly drawn out for us just in this little phrase we just saw. He placed you as a son into himself. That's what it literally says. Into himself. And there is no other path to draw the arrow going but there. It stops right there. It stays right there. Just bask in the beauty of that for a minute. If God gave his son, and what is more valuable than that? If God gave his son to save you, and his son's blood was sufficient to forgive you of your sins, what can you possibly do to mess that up? It's not done by you, so how can you undo it? God has brought it about. He's placed you within himself. And don't forget, he is God. Go ahead and wrestle with him and see how far you get. You want to walk the rest of your life with a busted hip? This is what God did. He put you there, didn't he? Yes. Did you put yourself there? No. You didn't put yourself there, and this is not a place where you can change what God has done. If that sounds like it's restricting or restraining, I call this rejoicing. I call this wonderful. I love the freedom of knowing that I don't make the sun rise, and I can't make it set, and I can't save myself, but He did, and He keeps me there. I have joy in that. I have joy in that. I don't want to fight it. I want to rejoice in it. That's the little word in or to himself. To himself. Folks, if we had hours, I could show you all over Scripture <laughs> that he did that for, for us because he wants you. Do you hear it? He wants you. He wants you. Fourth preposition. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to, this is kata, K-A-T-A, kata, according to the kind intention of his will. We have a measuring term in front of us right now, kata. Kata is used to show degree in what God has done. His action is measured to the exact decree or degree of his kindness. Don't skip the word kindness. Everything he's done for you has been measured according to his kindness. And how great is that? His kind intention. You want another word for it? His delight. His delight. 
his good pleasure. In other words, he enjoys this. He brought you into this relationship out of pure joy. Out of his delight to bring you into a relationship with him. Think of all the things that God delights in. However great, however large, however magnificent you can imagine it to be, to that measure He has predestined you to be placed as a son in a forever relationship with Himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His delight to do it. In the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians one twenty one says, The world through its wisdom did not come to know God, but God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. God was well pleased. And so when you take your final breath on this earth, and God calls you home, and we imagine at times He meets us at the door of heaven. I don't know if that's going to be the way it is. Do you think He's going to open that door and say, Well, you finally made it. I think it's more like if I follow this picture, he's going to swing that door open, grab you by the neck. He's going to be the most excited person you've ever run into saying, welcome home. I couldn't wait to see you. Sometimes those little words show us something more when you're seeing how clearly God has identified you in Christ Jesus as his own. As his own. All this to show you how deep is his love for you. I have, a, I have to close. I have this little story I want to tell you. I'll be honest, it's hard to say it without tears. I even just thinking about it. My dad worked for the E.J. E. Railroad. He worked up in a tower that over uh, saw not only the big train yard down below, but also the United States steel uh, industry, the, the whole place where they make steel for cars and stuff like that. He could see all that property from his tower. And when I was uh, in my early 20s, I worked a job at a vending company, and I drove this little truck around, and I'd fill vending machines, and along my stop was U.S. Steel. And I would go into their property, and there was a building It was probably about 200 or so yards away from where my dad's tower was. And I'd always pull around the back to unload the machines and stuff like that. And I'd see his tower up there. And I knew he was at work because he worked days. And, and so I always made it a point to get done fast. I wanted to go say hi to dad. And so I'd get in my little truck and I'd start to back up and I'd start down a road that you weren't supposed to drive on. But I was going to go see my dad and I was buzzing along. But security doesn't like that. And suddenly security cars are starting to show up a little bit here and there. Like, who is this guy? What's he doing? He's just driving across our land. And my dad would get on the phone and he'd call him and say, it's okay. It's my son. And I think of that. When I think of this passage, when I think of what God has done for me and how he looks down upon me from his great big tower up there, And he says, it's okay, that's my son. That's my son. That's my son. He loves you folks, do you know that? That's the depth of his love. When he looks down upon you, this is what he sees. You're not trying to earn this position. 
He gave you this title. Wear it as a son, as a child who belongs to the Father. Wear it with pleasure, because he certainly gave it to you with pleasure. When he looks down upon you, he says, that's mine. That's mine. These words are precious. I hope they touch your heart today. Heavenly Father, if somebody's struggling here today with their relationship with you, they feel like you have left them alone, you've walked away from them, you've even abandoned them because of something they have done recently or something that they've carried in their life, like a big old suitcase on their back. They've seen the burdens, they felt it, they felt the weight and the shame of sin. They've thought that somehow, Lord, that they have just erased all the beautiful things you've ever done. Show them this passage again and show them what you've done through Jesus Christ. It wasn't through anything we've done. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't buy it. We couldn't uh, do anything to get your pleasure on our own. But Jesus did. And that makes all the difference in the world. And I pray, Lord, if somebody's struggling right here, let them walk to the cross, even this morning, and find that's where you put your burdens down. Jesus paid for those. And he put you into a unique relationship with the Father. A relationship that will not change. It's because he loves us so. Thank you, Lord, for adopting us as sons. For placing us in that, in that relationship. And having the arrows stop there. Praise your name, Lord, for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.